Greetings, everyone, and before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Hello, one and all, and welcome to another Drunken Car Review. And today we're going to be doing another Drunken Garage segment. Hoorah. So today we're going to be discussing oil changes. Now, let's start off this video before I get into anything with oil changes as a bit getting into the cost. So to start off with, at the end of the day, before any of you read or listen to this video, I need to let you often know that oil changes are not cheaper on your own. They will probably end up costing you the same amount of money. And I say money specifically, because it will take you a hell of a lot longer to do it yourself than probably some mechanic can do. So why am I telling you about oil changes or how to do them? Why bother? Because you just have mechanics to do them. Well, because it's a nifty skill to have if you ever want to do it yourself. But also, in case you can't get into a garage or anytime soon, especially in today's world. But third, if you buy an old car, a classic car, or a car that's just a little wonky or weird, sometimes you may not always have the option of just taking it into a garage and having them do it because they may not have any freaking clue how to do it themselves or have any of the filters to do it. So it's important to know how to do your own oil changes just to learn the mechanical skills. It's a good first test to kind of dip your toes in the idea of doing your own mechanic work. And it's generally just gives you the car a little bit of love and care. So to start off with, let's get into the tools you'll need for the job. First off, you're gonna need to consult your owner's manual and decide what oil kind of oil you need, because there's a lot of different kinds. 5W30, 5W20, 10W20. There's a whole host of different oils you can need for certain cars, certain engines, and certain types, and certain amounts. Consult your owner's manual, make sure you got the right one. Sometimes you can also consult the gas cap on the inside of your engine, because that'll sometimes say 5W30 or something on the cap, so that'll tell you what you need. But as far as how much, you can either look up your owner's manual, or if you don't have one, the old Google search sometimes is a good method too. Or you can just keep pouring oil in it until you figure it out always an option too. So get your oil and you have two options as far as an oil pan. You're going to need one of these and a piece of cardboard underneath it. No matter what you do, get a piece of cardboard. You won't regret it later. But an oil pan can either be a fancy one you buy at the garage, which can be a large plastic little almost kiddie pool looking thing, or some fancy little screw-in tub that actually has a cap and everything. Or in my case, it can just be a simple large lasagna pan. Yep, that can work too. Whatever gets the oil, the pan in, the oil in the pan, well, it works. Don't worry about it. It's going to end up in the garbage probably anyways. Or into another oil can and just dumped out. So, once you've got everything together as far as the oil goes, you're going to need some tools. Obviously, you're going to need a jack and some stands because you need to get underneath that car unless you own a big 4x4 and you need to worry about that. But if you do need those bits, you're going to need that and a decent socket set and probably an oil wrench maybe not i mean my me and my dad always got away with a spanner wrench and i still do to this day it's not necessary to do either i mean you can an oil cap it makes it a hell of a lot easier when i get an actual oil filter wrench it's usually like five bucks at the store i mean it's it's not a bad buy i mean i have one of my toolbox i use it whenever i do, do oil changes it comes in handy but anyways you don't want those bits 
So you got the tools together, you got your oil, you got your pan and cardboard net. So the first thing you're going to want to do is get the jack stands underneath there. So you're going to want to jack up the car. And in case you're not entirely sure you haven't done this before, make sure you don't jack it up on anything that's flat, like on the actual car itself. You're going to want to look for the frame. The frame's going to be the tube structure, square, or whatever type of tubing you have, or something that feels pretty solid on the car. Don't jack up on anything that feels like it can bend or would flex, especially on the suspension and that. Make sure you're careful where you're putting these things. Okay, if you don't know, check on YouTube. Yachts Times will have videos on where specifically you can put your jacks, but generally on the frame of the car is a good place. So jack it up, make sure you suspend the front end of the car underneath the driver's side and the passenger side by the jack stands. Now don't remove the jack, have it underneath there supporting it just in case. It's a good safety measure always to have a jack can't just rely on the jack stands. Always have the jack in there as well as a sort of uh, reserve in case something would happen to those jack stands. So then you're going to want to slide your cardboard in with your lasagna pan or whatever you happen to have underneath the car about just directly under the engine. Then you're going to want to crawl underneath there. And what you're looking for is essentially another lasagna pan. Basically it's going to look like a metal pan basically bolted to the bottom of your engine. It's going to be pretty obvious. Lots of times they're gray, or in my case, the color of rust and oil because it's been on the car for so long. But generally, it's it's usually a silver color. You'll kind of see it if you have a newer car. And what you're going to look for is two things. You're going to look for an oil filter, which is going to look like a giant coffee filter or giant coffee mug kind of screwed into it. It's going to be pretty easy to find. And if you don't know, you look at the oil filter you buy for your car. Again, reference your own manual when you buy the filter. Or sometimes they have a booklet in the store. But kind of compare it. You know, it's pretty easy to find. You're going to find also a bolt on the oil pan. Now this can be on the side of it, it can be underneath it, but generally it's going to be somewhere on there. You're going to want to find this bolt. Now I've seen some people suggest you can just remove the oil filter into it. And yes, that is possible to drain your oil through the oil filter. But don't do that. You'll make a mess and you'll get covered in oil. Don't do it. Just find the plug, unscrew it, drain it through there. It's a lot easier. So once you make sure it's all good and drained, and a good piece of advice before you drain your oil or even do any of what I just suggested because I completely forgot to mention, run your car for a bit. It'll get the oil kind of warmed up and it'll be a hell of a lot easier to drain out. You want to sit it for 25 minutes while drips come slowly out of the gas container, out of the oil pan. So once it's drained, simply reinstall the plug, go to the oil filter and make sure your pan's still underneath it because it will make you about a bit of oil. And you're gonna wanna unscrew that oil filter. Again, oil filter wrench, whatever you wanna use, simply unscrew it, pull it out. At that point, you're gonna take your new filter, screw that one back into it. Simple as that. Oil filter replaced. Make sure that everything is nice and tight. You wanna make sure there's no loose bits where oil's gonna seep through, we're gonna have oil dripping all over the place. So once everything's locked up nice and tight, you're gonna to go above the car. Again, pop the hood and take a look underneath. You're gonna to wanna to look for an oil cap. This is gonna be usually, it could be located in a few different spots. And some cars, it's real nice. It's located right on top of the engine. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, unscrew it. It's gonna have a little, oil can on top, a little drippy coming out of it. It's usually the common symbol for the oil cap. Anyways, unscrew this and simply dump in your oil. You're going to want to leave about, a, you wanna, it's a, if it take five quarts, you're going to put about four and a half quarts in. Just leave a little extra. Sometimes in motor doesn't quite need that much. Sometimes there's residual oil in there. It's not going to hurt anything if there is. Just dump it in there. Make sure it's kind of filled up. And then you're going to want to go back underneath before you do anything else and check. Make sure nothing's leaking because believe me, if you do it Start the engine while it's leaking and it starts to loosen up the oil. Believe me, you will regret it. It will be terrible. But once you got that process done, you're going to go back up, remove the jack stands, remove everything else, let the car down, and then start her up. Make sure everything is running okay. 
And before you go on a test drive, I want you driving around for a bit, make sure everything's doing all right. Take it back in, and before you decide to dump that oil, check it. It's an important piece of advice I cannot stress enough. Always check your oil. Look for milky consistencies. Look for little flaky bits inside the oil. It looks like glitter. Look for anything that looks suspicious in the oil. If it does, it can indicate a major problem that may require you to take it to a mechanic. There's, the oil is essentially the blood of the car. And you can tell a lot by the blood of a human. You can tell just as much by the blood of a car. Door. So always check the oil. It's very important. Always do that. Anyway, so drive it around for a bit. Make sure everything's running kosher. And then you're going to want to take it back in. You're going to stop the car, turn off the engine, and then look back underneath the hood. What you're looking for is essentially the dipstick. And no, that is not an insult, although it can be. It is essentially the piece that essentially tells you how much oil is in your vehicle. You're going to look for it. It's going to be usually a little yellow handle on there. It's a little thing. Usually it's pretty, it's kind of in the deeper in the engine there. It's going to be not the easiest thing to find sometimes. You're going to look for a yellow one that's towards the front of the engine, not the red one. Red one's a transmission check that too every now and then but you're worrying about the oil right now so check that make sure it's okay you're gonna dip it in there pull it out wipe off the excess oil dip it again and pull it out again you're gonna want to see where the oil is resting there's gonna be markers on the stick that tells you whether it needs filling a little extra oil a little less if you need more dump a little bit more oil in to make sure it's all kosher in that until it's filled up properly sometimes it requires the other half a quart sometimes it even requires a little bit extra but it's always good to have that on hand so once you get all that out of the way, you're going to want to then obviously bolt it back up and, well, that's about it. You're ready to go. If you done to dump out your oil, a good piece of advice is check with your local shop, um, especially oil change shops. Sometimes they'll just literally take in spare oil because they dump it out anyways. They don't really care if they have to take a customer's oil in. They sometimes just let you drop it off at the back door. Just call them up, ask them. Nine times out of ten, they'll just let you know that you can drop it off there and they don't care. So yeah, that's a good advice on changing oil. Again, it's not advised that you do it yourself all the time. It's only if it's something you want to get some mechanic work skill, kind of get some skill under your belt. Or if you just happen to have an old car that doesn't necessarily mean your local mechanic has any freaking clue how to handle. So if you want to do oil changes, again, that's up to you. It's not advised entirely. It's not the cheapest route, but it's not ill-advised either. Finally... As far as checking your oil goes, I mentioned the transmission fluid oil. I kind of said to check it every now and then, but to be honest, don't worry about it too much. It's really not necessary. I mean, usually the oil, if you're low on transmission oil, believe me, you will find out very quickly. As far as finding out if there's any problems with the oil in your car or find out if there's any noises, you don't have enough oil, check for any kind of odd signs in the car. This can usually be a valve noise that sounds a bit like a percolator going off. This percolator noise is usually an indication that you're either a bit low on oil or the oil is not necessarily up to snuff. Or, it's a simple solution, just make sure you replace it every 5,000 miles or so. I know some places say you can take it up to 8,000 8, miles, and you can do that. Heck, some places say you can even take it to 10,000 miles. Again, you can do that. But a good suggestion is every 5,000 miles or so, get the oil replaced. It's, it's not the worst idea. Anyways, that's been uh, the Drunken Car segment. I got a little time for some news. I'll get into that now. In today's news, we got one little article for you. Ford has recently announced some refreshments to their Expedition line this year, or next year actually, the 22 models. They're going to be releasing the Timberline Edition and a couple of refreshments for the interior. So let's first get into the interior bit, shall we? To start with, they're adding a couple bells and whistles. They're changing up the looks of some things, and yes, it's nothing really that notable. Until you look at the dashboard. There's a big noticeable difference. There's an option that allows you to get entire touchpad for everything. And I literally do mean absolutely everything. 
You want your controls on the screen. You want your seat controls on the screen. You want your controls for your radio on the screen. You want your controls for your heated seats on the screen. Everything's on the screen. Absolutely everything. The only thing that is on the screen is a dial for the radio, and I think that's coming, but I just think they couldn't figure out how the hell to do it. So it's just kind of plopped in the middle of the screen in some awkward fashion. But yes, everything is 100% screen. It literally goes from literally the center console down below where your shifter knob is, all the way up above the dash. It's, it literally just looks like a giant computer monitor turned sideways and placed it past it, whatever you want to say, to the fully, it, it just looks like crap, to be honest. I'm not going to deny it. There's a point where some things become too much. I am impressed with the Rams interior because it blends that huge touchscreen in perfectly. It does you the options that, yes, you can control everything through the touchscreen, but they still give you the option of dials and buttons on the side that still allow you standard operation of those, well, buttons. You don't have to use the screen if you don't want to. It's already sometimes distracting enough. Always make sure that you're keeping an eye on the road, they always say. And yet they design touchscreens that make it very complex and very hard to freaking do so. I don't understand it. Anyways, this awkward looking screen is probably going to be a buttload and an arm and a leg if you want this. I'm not sure why you would. I don't think their touchscreen is bad enough. I mean, I don't think there are any four touchscreens even close to the Uconnect system that the RAM offers. I don't see how it's going to work. I, I'm going to be used. But the Timberline Edition does get my blood boiling a bit because I am interested in it. Yes, I am interested in the car. I think it's brilliant. Yes, we're getting off-road expedition. We have Z71 editions for like the Suburban and all that stuff, but Ford never really bothered to release an edition that was specifically for off-roading. And the Timberline name has floated around from, I think, even as old as when Ford built Jeeps. But the Timberline essentially is their off-road package for the expedition. It's their Z71 basically competitor. And this thing is actually more impressive. They didn't just stick some, I mean, it has it, but they didn't just stick some suspension and the bigger tires on it. But they also included some good, goody off-rail trip bits from the Barranco. Yep, one of the biggest things they added from the Barranco is the addition of the turn system. I don't know the name of it off the top of my head because I'm a moron. But that being said, it is actually a cool feature in which the back tires can lock up, allowing you to turn a bit like a tank. They'll turn the run wheels and shut off the race into the left wheels, allowing you to make a sharper turn. This is important, especially if you're going on a trail with this massive lump of a vehicle, because it is, well, big. It's a big car, especially if you've got another Casella. It's big. So the thing is, you need that little extra bit of turn radius. I can imagine, to be honest, it would probably be coming handy at your local shopping mall. Believe me, it's a useful feature to have, and it may be a flat tire on your spot in your tire if you use it too much, but believe me, it will come in handy. It's a big car to turn, and it will need every help of inch you can get. And the Timberline Edition actually has some different features, some different front end bits, some additions of red tinting and that. Reminds me a bit of the Rubik, kind of bit in that way. But yeah, no, Timberline Edition is impressive. Touchscreen, I am unamused, and rather, what the hell is that? There's a point when something becomes too much, and this is a prime example of too flippin' much. Too much touchscreen. We don't need a freaking Tesla on the road. We don't need a 2.0 of that crap. What happens when your screen goes on? You lose access to absolutely everything. No air conditioning, no seat controls, no nothing. That's all you got. Anyways, uh, that's over. This has been a Drunken Car Review. I appreciate you listening, and if you are interested in my craziness, feel free to subscribe to my insanity and listen to my podcast and leave me a like and review. Whatever you want to do with that. Have a good day and a wonderful night. Goodbye.